just dipping my toe. A splish splash. I wish that there was a way to dismantle the system without violence. Did you say school counselors? Let's uh Let's let's get to let's get to the bottom of our of our souls here in the basement of our souls. I don't want them to be like Orwellian villains. How would you describe your time relative okay. to yourself? Um, do you believe in aliens though? Now I just want to breathe into the mic. <laughs> let's do it together. One, two, three. Yo, welcome to the community park. Hi. Hello. My name's Chase. My name's Nat. And I'm Spencer. And um, we're at the community park today. Hi, everyone. Hello. How's everybody's day been so far? My day has been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Likewise. Me um, too. Super easy. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have you here with us, Spencer. Uh, it's always cool to bring in new members of the community. Thank you. Yes. Um, is this this is your first time to the community park? Yes, right? it is. Nice. Well, can you tell us a little bit about like what your favorite parks have been, or if you like had to describe like your perfect park? What my favorite parks have been. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a park in Salt Lake City that I really like. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of it. That's alright. But right. it's a cool park. It's got like trails that lead to absolutely nowhere and i like that sort of uh like not functional design of a park yeah where you're you feel somewhat in the wilderness but but you're not and you just like walk around the corner and there's all sorts of restaurants and stuff but it gives it a a creative feel and i like that yeah way cool maybe like a little more overgrown less manicured yeah yeah they give yeah. it they give it space to sort of be its own thing. Yeah. Is there lots of grass or trees? There's lots of trees, but it's more like a like you get like like pathways that lead to like lots of rocks and stuff and there's like l- tiny little streams that just like cut in between it. And a lot of the times it'll just like lead to like a nice place to sit or and and then you can go out of it and there's like all sorts of like activity places like you know, if people want to play tennis or basketball or whatever, those are all there as well. But it's just a nice place to be. Well, I love that. Absolutely. I think it's so important for people to connect with a feeling of wilderness or of nature. Mm-hmm. Something we get deprived of in our society. Yeah, for sure. And coming from someone who I hate going on like hikes and stuff, mm-hmm. it's, it's absolute misery for me. so it's nice to sort of have a a place that's created to give off that feeling but maybe isn't so like uh draining actively sure i mean if i want to work out i'll work out but it's like it's like time with nature doesn't have to mean that you're like getting your heart rate up like eight or nine times in a row right right yeah yeah. and for some reason it seems to be the case for a lot of people that that is what time with nature is and yeah we are in the wild yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean i think there's like a lot to be said about being at peace in nature like feeling like your heart rate at its lowest feeling like released yeah yeah for sure i think that um 
that should definitely be a state that we also admire um, instead of just this sort of active, um, almost aggressive sort of attitude that we have towards like conquering nature or being out in nature. Maybe for a lot of other people, it's easy for them to do that. Yeah. Uh, but for someone who's out of shape, <laughs> no. <laughs> so are you uh, from Utah? Yeah. So I was um, born and raised in in Utah, near Salt Lake City. Um, and then when I was in seventh grade, I lived in South Carolina for three years, and then I came back. Gotcha. So. Nice. What was that, uh, what was that experience like, uh, shifting between the two cultures of South Carolina and Salt Lake City? Um, so I think that... I mean, if I can give context, I think that people have these sort of attitudes that you have, like, very different cultures within the United States. And I think that's true, but it all still feels United Statesy. y um, So mm. I wanted to get it that, like, I still felt like a traditional consumer who watches sports and who plays video games and who goes to high school and has all that sort of American culture sort of there. But, yeah. but it did feel different. And... I mean, coming from a place where um, you're either Mormon or you're not, uh, being there was very different. It was a little more uh, laid back with the sort of idea of religion. Um, everybody there was religious, but it didn't feel um, almost over the top sometimes in that living in a mostly Mormon um, state feels like. But... I mean, I enjoyed it. I spent most of my time inside anyway, but but it was nice. Yeah. What were you doing inside? Oh, playing video games for sure. Okay, what video games were you playing? Um, all sorts of video games, but I played the popular ones. So I played, I played Halo. I played Call of Duty. Um, Classics. I played like the Elder Scrolls games. I played the Fallout games. Yeah. So. Wow. Have you had any video games you've played that like either like spoke to you or like really scratched the video game itch for you? Um So my favorite game is a game called Planescape Torment. And I think it was released in like two thousand or two thousand one. And mm -hmm. I played it in um twenty twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. So it looks really um really dated and it feels really dated. But I really enjoyed that game. It was almost like a, uh, like a narrative or more of like a, a sort of like a novel in that like you would talk to someone and there's just a lot of reading to do. And you have very basic stuff to do, like walk around, look at this, pick up these items, level up, stuff like that. But most of the game was, um, the fun came out of like the sort of dialogue that you got to experience with other people. And I think that I've never played a game with uh with writing that was just so well spoken, so well thought out. Um if I can compare it to something like playing Fallout 4, which is like you have a little dialogue tree and in that dialogue tree you get a like a yes option, a give me more detail option, a sarcastic yes option and a no option. And sometimes those sarcastic ones are like switched and it's like sarcastic no and no yeah. instead of sarcastic yes. Mm -hmm. And that can be fun to some people, but there wasn't, um, none of the characters felt real. 
in that yeah. when you read like a novel um a good writer makes those characters feel real and even though this game is a fantasy game the characters in them because they're so well written feel real and i think that one spoke to me the most yeah that's really cool yeah <laughs> i really like that game <laughs> i felt similar things about fallout 4 where i felt like there was a lot of energy put into the environment and not a lot between like the connection of the characters yeah 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 i think that um bethesda does a really good job of making environments that are fun to explore mm-hmm. um but you you really feel left wanting when you ask for like um a story that really like pulls at the heartstrings or something like that yeah and like how do you do that in three dialogue options no you you don't yeah (laughs) how is it not living in utah um other than the basic feeling of i'm still in america um i was young so obviously i'm not i wasn't that introspective about what was going on um obvious cultural differences i think were like an absolute obsession with college sports for one which was surprising like here it's like cool the the two big state teams are like going up against each other there it's like if you don't know what team or what college you support you're like not part of the community yeah and it goes as far as even the like the weird strange kids who seem like outcasty like even they have like the teams that they enjoy or have to watch or however that goes i think that was a really interesting thing that like i became a clemson fan in south carolina (laughs) like i don't i don't care i mean i was okay like i enjoyed football but like i wasn't that into it to like but i had to wow um it's really interesting the like weather differences obviously i think living on the east coast is it's really humid and there's all sorts of like like tiny little trees everywhere and like Mm -hmm. it's very um very woodsy still i mean i lived 20 minutes away from the capital and even all around there is like just woods all over the place and you get a lot of like old like historical looking houses and you know like learning about um like the civil war for example was really really interesting because i'm learning about it in a place with like these people and their ancestors are like the people who were involved in it yeah well mm-hmm. would, do, would you mind like kind of like diving in to like what you learned in that or like what it was like more so oh gosh um if you if you care to i mean i just i just wish that i paid enough attention in school to really really get like like just like a picture of what i was learning then but yeah right (laughs) you you learn about like south carolina history um which i can't remember a single thing like sharecropping maybe is like the best that i've got in my head yeah okay but um i don't remember ever at one point and i feel like this is what is wouldn't maybe be a a cool like tangent to go off of Mm -hmm. i don't remember like having a moment of like oh gosh i can't believe they didn't even teach me that there um which i think a lot of people experience during school but i can't think of a thing where like i wasn't taught i just think that like they didn't go into things with a very nuanced level Mm. um you, you you learn like the basic general like 
like people fought um it was mostly for slavery um the north one there was i forget which general came down to the south and basically burned everything and destroyed everything on his way way through which okay. was his, his strategy of Sherman? Sherman's Sherman. March to the Sea? Yeah, yeah, it was Sherman. Oh, that is a name. Yeah. <laughs> <an> operation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I believe it was just a strategy to uh, limit their economic ability as he was marching all the way through um, the South. Interesting. Um, but I can't think of anything specific, really, sadly. That's all right. I mean... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that sounds about um, what I learned. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like basically all of that. I heard a little bit about carpetbaggers. Yeah, I remember carpetbaggers. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. the thing. Everyone was like, I can't believe it. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I remember a, yeah, uh, a, there was inflation was insane in the South at the time, mm. um, like right after the war. Um, yeah. They experienced an immense amount of inflation, and that really hurt the er- their economy. And, I mean, the loss of slavery was obviously, like, what do they do now to fix their economy? And that was the big struggle that they had to deal with, which um, they found loopholes in in the 13th Amendment, which allowed them to continue having slaves. True. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, yeah, true. And continue to. And continue to as well, yes. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> I mean, like, fiscally, it makes sense, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that, like, um, obviously, like, morally, it's awful. Uh, but I do think that people think about, like, their um, economic uh, circumstances a lot more than we give them credit. I think that, mm-hmm. like, what matters to these people who are, like, fighting in this war isn't... I mean, some of them obviously believe that they just have a higher place over other people. But mm-hmm. it's it's their economic standing in the world. It's their ability to like influence the direction of the like the way that the world is going. And I don't have like obvious references to that. It's just a intuition that I have about how people work. Yeah. I hear it. Yeah, I mean we're fed a lot of propaganda and when people are being kept in an economic place where they can't rise above a certain level and then they hear that there's somebody coming to take their stuff. It's oh like, yeah! Oh yeah. yeah! Yeah! What the fuck? I barely have enough as it is. Like I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can point to some obvious examples in the world today, like where people are fed a stream of propaganda that leads them to like a completely mm. convoluted reality. But because they are in such like fragile positions and they're afraid of being harmed further, they're willing to believe anything, especially like when it just amplifies the feelings that are already being felt. I feel like it's so isolationary as well. Yeah, I think that um, when you're... when you have an enemy, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's what these people... anybody who thinks that another person is... or another group of people, or their items or their livelihood are at stake, I mean, obviously, you, 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 you paint the group of people who are apparently going to take your livelihood as an enemy and immediately there is no conversation there there's no ability to um get around that it is a ideological defensive place to be and that's emotionally 
you can't get over that. Even if you have a rational conversation, a lot of the times it's, it's going to go nowhere because you have to be able to get past sort of rationality and reach a sense of emotion and sort of heal the damage that exists there to make someone um, feel as if they have to defend themselves. Um, and we as a culture, obviously, right now need to be able to do that. Yeah, it's a conversation that uh, Chase and I have a lot. Is like, how do we, how do we bridge these gaps? Because obviously, we're all on the same team, and we need to figure this shit out before like we sink the ship. Um, so how do we bridge these gaps? How do we like break through the level of propaganda that people have accepted that separates them from reality, and do it in such a way that's not going to make them feel like they're being like targeted or abused or, but like this is, you know, welcoming into the world, accepting what is, instead of constantly trying to put up more blockades in between. Mm. Um, yeah, because there's so many just, like, completely false truths that I feel like were accepted, especially by our parents and grandparents, and then passed down. Um, and then us, through, like, the connection of the internet, have been able to, like, quickly, or more quickly, or or build systems to break through these uh, bits of propaganda that exist to divide us. Well, well, I agree, but I also think that the internet has been something that has divided us as well. Um, it's, I mean, it's up to us most of the time. We see corporations and businesses nowadays trying to put an effort into um, giving a narrative that is the correct narrative. Um, obviously, there's a large group of people who don't believe that that's the correct narrative and they believe that they are forcing a fake narrative. Um, but living in an internet age is I can find anything to agree with me that I want to agree with me. Whatever I Google, I can find the, like the answer that agrees with me. It doesn't matter what it is. And, and that's, that's dangerous. Um, it's, 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 it's hard to be very, um, very serious about the kind of information that we have and the kind of information that we're looking for um, and trying to find the right information or the true information. Um, so how do you do that? How do you, how do you determine what is uh, factual and real information and what is not? I don't think it's entirely up to me to do that. Oh. Sure. Like, I think I have an obligation to... Um, myself and the information that I get to um, to be serious for me about what information I get mm -hmm. um, but it's like not it's not in my capacity to sort of go and find all of the true things and and always be the person who has the true answer um, I like I just don't know if I can do that um, so I think that we have to we have to hand that baton over to like communities and some kind of systems within society to be able to help us do that. And uh, albeit, I think that like some people are just never going to be able to um, come to terms with just like putting trust in entities that might be um, malicious or might say a narrative that is counter to theirs and obviously if it's counter to theirs they are an enemy or they are bad or however they're represented um, but like I can try really hard to source all of my information and make sure that I'm getting it from the right sources and stuff but I'm just not sure that I can do that all the time 
sure. I have to I have to work. Right. Like yeah. I want to educate myself as much as possible, but I can't. Yeah. You're not trying to put yourself through work and school right now. Well, like yeah, exactly. But I kind of am and then also on top of that, um I have to be a political individual. I have to be able to talk to people about uh, like socioeconomic problems and cultural problems. And it's like, I like those conversations and I want to be able to talk about them and I want to be able to listen to what they have to say as well. But I don't always know what's right. And I think that, I think that like the more that we can all come to terms with that, the more that we can put trust in, in experts who actually do know, um, what they're talking about and obviously experts will disagree with other experts but I would rather listen to an expert talk about what I'm talking about right now than listen to me talk about what I'm talking right now you know totally for sure yeah do you have any ideas for what it would look like if we had a system to be able to kind of like bring refutable information to us like is that like a like a governmental system? Is it something that we create independently? Um, I think the best thing that I've heard of is if we could get, um, for example, scientific papers are incredibly hard to read. If you don't know the jargon that they're using, um, we all want to be able to read that and we all want to be able to... to tell someone when they have some idea well did you even read the science behind that etc mm -hmm. um that's a good way to refute an argument but how often do you actually read it um i know that when i go to read it i'm left scratching my head half of the time um i can look up every word and every definition i probably can get through it but what i would suggest that we do is we be more um we'd be more clear with what the science is saying to the layman. If that means that we have to get, um, like other scientists to actually express what these papers are saying in layman's terms and let those be out there as well, hopefully even connected with the paper itself in the journal. Um, I think that would be really good. I think that would allow us to be able to see what is coming out as scientific, um, and be able to read it and be able to make assessments about the reality um, based on that. Because I think that there's a lot of um, one bunk science that's out there um, mm -hmm. that if you went and you read a scientific paper about that bunk science or like one paper comes out, uh, like vaccines, for, for example, the, the whole autism thing is, is complete BS. Yeah. Um, there, was, there was one paper that came out that like used fake evidence that had like people who didn't even know that they were doing those kinds of tests on them. Mm -hmm. um, there were conflicts of interest. Um, there, there was no suggestion whatsoever that these people were actually getting um, autism from this thing. Yeah. Um, this comes out, but all you have is one, one paper with like a small amount, a small assertion at the end of it where the scientist who's apparently doing these quote-unquote studies um, says, hey there might be a link to some of these kids who had autism and one you didn't have ev any evidence to suggest that but he did mm -hmm. um that comes out and you just get a media storm and that media storm no one cares no one has the time to look 
at that. And you have this one really, 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 really bad study that has created this whole huge community of vaccine skepticism that like goes across communities. It's all sorts of different people. You see it from like from like atheist hippie types all the way to like like radical evangelical Christians. Like it goes throughout the whole thing and it's totally fine to be skeptical about anything, but I mean, if we were to be able to easily point someone to a more refined version of what that paper says to the layman, I think it would be a lot easier for people to get on board. And if we could trust the media not to immediately see a money sign when they see something like that, because obviously they did, they did, that was going to, everybody wanted to talk about it. We're going to make money off of it. But yeah, I think that, I think that we, it, we, we should be, we should have more, we should hold scientists to a higher standard or hold people who actually look at that information to a higher standard and, I mean, hell, pay them more for it if we have to, but yeah. we need more lucid information. And obviously if we have companies and corporations that are going to promote that lucid information, that's awesome. I don't want, like, a hell a lot of information just restricted just because. I think that it might be a good idea, but it also already emboldens people who don't believe it from the start, and mm-hmm. that's concerning. Um, but if we can point to the science and just the science and not papers that are talking about the science, or at least not like newspapers that are talking about the science, but a side paper released by people who understand the science, who give it in layman's terms, I think that that would be really helpful for a lot of us. That's the only thing I can think of. I hear it. Kind of like a cliff notes for... Um... Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I could have said that a lot shorter if I said cliff notes <laughs> but for science. <laughs> I love listening to you talk about it. Like, it was Thank really you. cool. Yeah. Really succinct. I, I think that's great because I felt like I went over it like six times. But, I mean, like, I have to hit all the pieces that I missed maybe. And then, then I got more accurate with it. But, uh, but yeah, I think that... Um, our inability to trust information is is really harming our society. I think maybe back before we had the internet, um, it wasn't harming it as much because, because it wasn't easy to get fake information out across the world in a second. Yeah, it's very dangerous like that. Mm-hmm. But also, like, what little information you got was like it so if it was a lot of propaganda or fake information from the start you're still like have an even smaller pool to draw from you mean like uh back in the day back in the day yeah yeah i I do think that like and propaganda has always been a problem totally though you can make the argument that propaganda itself is just like a uh like a piece of information with political meaning behind it for sure and like not all of that is false not all of it's fake yeah but like totally organizing an army and propaganda yeah 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 without a doubt this like sort of like um propaganda that tries to um alter your reality and your perception about about reality and about the reality of the people that live in yeah the world um i think that that probably has always been a thing but clearly now it's um getting worse yeah 
There's a lot of it. And even stuff that, like, has nuggets of truths will still be, like, twisted in either direction. Yeah, I think that as a, uh, someone who wouldn't, like, maybe works for a media company, and that media company maybe has a political leaning, I think that it wouldn't be surprising that my job would be to, um, take something that's true and try to fit my political lens over that as much as possible. If that means distort it, um, distort it, as long as it's still true at the end of the day. Um, that's probably what my job is. Yeah, truly. And, like, how much of it from the start is the truth these days, especially with, like, the language that comes out on uh, the far right and the far middle. And the far left. And the far left. I think what you said, Spencer, is really important. Like, even though, like, a lot of it is propaganda and has been, like, there are bits of it that are true about it. And it, I feel like it's inf- it's unfortunate that I feel like I won't ever get the full truth about some of these things. Mm-hmm. But there is, like, a partial truth that is to be known about most of everything. Yeah, I think that... uh It, it comes down to, like, it's really, really hard to trust any truth at that point. Um, I, I believe people call this era, like, a post-truth era because of that. Mm. You never know if you're actually getting all of the truth or not. Um, we just have to be able to discern what's the best truth. Um, and I don't mean, like, morally what's the best, best truth. It's just, like, what has the most backing behind it, um, which requires us to be able to go through as as many or find the most trusted resources that we can and sadly for some people the most trusted resources are really 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 bad resources it is very sad yeah truly but like you said it's so easy to get lost in it and to like have your own barometer of truth yeah i think that's that's the biggest that's why i think that we need we need not like a government entity to be able to do it, but we need like, we need people who understand what they're talking about most to be able to get that information out easily for other people to understand. And we need, we need, we need other groups of people. Hopefully maybe this is where the government comes into play. Um, actually sponsoring that kind of information. Um, I think that's different than the government saying, Hey, this is the right information. Um, versus like, uh, working in tandem with someone who says we believe that this is the right information this is why we believe it we have you know x number of experts who work in this field who have all agreed on this um, obviously you're going to have disagreement at the tippy top but I'd rather disagreement at the tippy top than the amount of disagreement that we see on like the level of unexpert and uneducated people that we have yeah and social media being what it is it's like every one of those people has a megaphone yeah for sure yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i want to yell about this thing that i know nothing about i'm yelling now and everyone can see it mm-hmm. yeah or hear it right and if we have if we have the ability to make the people who should know more about that um their voice is bigger and that would help a lot i agree i think that would help um immensely mm-hmm. truly yeah and as long as like that power is coming from the community 
I don't fear it in the way that I would if it's like government mandated information. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really important thing to get at because, um, I don't, I don't know anybody who just absolutely trusts the state. I don't like, especially in America, I think that like it's a natural reaction towards the state to uh, be really concerned about its motives and what it's doing. Um, for good reason. Yeah, for a good reason. Yeah. How often does the government actively help in our lives for all of the power that we give to it? All the money that we give to it? It seems like most of the things just get stuck in the same bureaucratic loop on whatever issue you care about, like, make some progress, but, like, it feels like it kind of is always easily come back upon as well. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's something to say about it being not as efficient as we need it to be. Um, I don't know how to solve that problem, obviously, but I think that um, I would rather it be inefficient than I would it be entirely efficient and live in like an autocratic state um like where we have one leader or we have one party that leads um i would rather like all these forces be combating each other and fighting each other and it be really slow and uh, have either communal or private sectors that do a really good job on their own mm -hmm. where we can we can we can lean on the state to do what we need it to do but if we can have communities or uh, private groups of people be able to um, best serve their own interests and hopefully in the interests of the rest of the people that live in that area. Um, I think that that's a more effective method than just allowing a state to do whatever it wants at the most efficient level because if you live in an autocratic state, there is no doubt that at least um, a large minority of the people are not going to be um, content with what that state is doing and I think content is saying it lightly it's doing a lot of work <laughs> yeah <laughs> truly yeah I'd love to see I mean voting from home I'd love to see uh, ranked choice voting mm -hmm. um, yeah that was really cool New York was doing that yeah for the mayoral election mm -hmm. yeah I'd love to see us take that power back into our own hands a little bit more than not that it feels like those decisions get made for us. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it does. I think that we don't have as much say than we probably could, especially with the technology that we have. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not calling for direct democracy? No, I'm not. I don't. I like. I like the idea of direct democracy. I just don't know. Um, like, we live in a country with 50 states in it, with all sorts of different groups of people who want different things out of life. Um, mm -hmm. I think. As much as majority rules kind of attitude is is nice, I think that like is fifty one percent versus forty nine percent like the best option that we can have. But I do think that giving people more power or more understanding of how to uh, push and move the state in the way that they would like it is is always good. Like I think that if everyone knew where all their taxes went to at all times, or if they could choose where specific taxes went to what, um, I think that that would really help in people wanting to voluntarily be involved in the state rather than just like reluctantly voting once or twice a year or once yeah. or twice every four years. Um, I think that being more open and allowing people more decisions about what 
things get done within the state is a really good idea. I do too. Like it's it's very interesting that I can like pay my taxes on a computer, but it's like I don't know. Like, is it weird if I vote from home, like for? major decisions in the community or do I just like pay a lot of money to the community through my computer I can like order a new social security card online but voting online <laughs> seems <laughs> like, okay yeah I would I would I would think that it's feasible um I don't obviously that's you have to worry about security I mean clearly you do with your taxes and all that information being spread across the world um security is a is a big problem but um Clearly, half the country already thinks that security is a big problem from the mainland Dallas as well. Um, mm. So I don't yeah. know how much security is withholding us versus how much we just haven't really given a chance to talk about it. Truly. And if we do get a chance to talk about it and we know that it is secure, then there's still going to be pushback from... Um, more conservative people, and I would assume that they're going to push back because um, they're going to say it's insecure. But I think that the actual reason there's pushback is from wealthy donors who understand that they are not going to get the policy that they want because we are giving more people a voice, and more people a voice or more people having voices is usually not the best thing for the conservative party. It seems to be... Yeah, yeah, for the people who are on the Conservative Party. I love... Um, So we were just talking about uh, quality of information, where you get your information from, like, who your information might be serving, and, like, how that affects voting from home. Right, right, and we went to, like, security of voting and um, who might be invested in not allowing for easier voting and who might might be which I think is fairly obvious at this point. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's hard not to immediately see like where the dollar signs uh, are going to at the top of this pyramid scheme that we're all a part of. Yeah. It's a funnel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's trickle-up economics. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where they are actually... It's, it's more of like a ringing, a ringing out like a little dishcloth. Upward oh. economics. <laughs> okay. Yeah, not much of a trickle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Spencer, you are in school for some um, IT studies. Yeah, information technology. Would you, do you know much about um, like, how secure is the internet for those of us that are scared of the internet? It's not. It's not yeah. secure. It's not secure. Um, I think that, like, I think the more that you get into, um, like, knowing about information technology and security, especially security over the internet, um, you realize how unsecure it is. Um, Generally, your stuff is encrypted. Um, Your computer is doing some, at least your browser is doing some complex um, encryption algorithms every time you go online to a website that um, generally tells you that it is doing that for you. And then all the stuff that you're buying is usually that way. Um, Mm. That's not the problem. Usually the problem is, if I send this to you, how can I be guaranteed that there isn't going to be someone in the middle? Or how can it be guaranteed that your systems aren't going to be compromised in some way? Um, and we can't guarantee that. That we're just, You're just hoping. You're just hoping wow. that someone doesn't have um, a way to uncrypt what you have. 
and of course, um, is that business or that website, that server that I am contacting over on their end, are they encrypting information once it gets there? Because we can have an encrypted tunnel to there, um, but I can't guarantee that they're holding it in a safe way or anything like that. Wow. Um, I, I would, I would say that I don't trust um, information that goes across the internet. If someone wants really, really bad to get it, they will get it. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad I heard that now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, as long as you are someone who is, um, who doesn't have information that um, someone really, 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 really wants to get, you can probably guarantee that most of your stuff is going to be safe. I mean, you make purchase on, purchases on Amazon and stuff or wherever you're buying stuff. Um, you probably guarantee that that's going to be safe. But, I mean, if someone's looking for you, they'll find you. If someone um, really wants to find their way to get in between um, your information and someone else's information, um, they will be able to do that. Um, they will be able to steal your information if they really want to. Wow. Well. Yeah. But like, do you feel comfortable saying that, you know, for those of us who probably make less than six figures a year, like we're not going to be high level targets? Um, these people? I would say yes, but it's not that you're not a high, high level target. It's that, or it's not that the question isn't whether or not you are most of the time, especially for people who are making less money. It's like, um, so many companies will have databases with your information in it. Yeah. It's like the, if they crack a database with your information in it, they're not specifically going for you. They're just going for everybody you know, who millions you know. and millions and millions of people who have all of their like uh, banking information and social security information in in a database. Um, there's a lot of money in making sure that people can't do that. Wow. Um, and there are a lot of job openings for a lot of people who um, have the skills to be able to do that. I don't believe that I am there yet, but yeah. um, I would say that from what I've learned right now, it's a constant battle of making sure that your information is secure. And if you really want your information to be secure, you know, put it in like a locked box and hold it really close to your body <laughs> and, and walk it to the place that you need to go to. And maybe have like a sword. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Secure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sword. Viruses. And we can you can go through extra, extra steps to like I mean like if you're transferring a file to another server, like you can go through extra steps to encrypt that and make sure it's secure and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, over the internet, I mean we have a system to make sure that someone is saying who they are and that someone is, and that person has um, like a secure website. Um, but a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people can end up going to like a website that is just acting like the website. Um, mm-hmm. So like I type in google.com and you know, there could be one extra zero um, or not zero O in me typing Google, or I could have a, a piece of malware in my computer that when I type in Google, my computer says, okay, this is what the actual address is for Google. Oh. I'm going to go and get that. That's usually what happens, but I can have malware that changes what that address is. And so it can look like a web page of Google, mm. but it isn't. 
but it, and it will also say Google. It'll say Google on it. Oh my fuck! Yeah. Usually, there's ways. Um, they're called certificates. Um, they're just complex ways of basically assigning data. Um, you encrypt a piece of information. Mm-hmm. You put a key with that encryption. You send it out. And then people can unlock it. And if you if that key works, then you must be true in saying that you are the one who encrypted that because you're the one who sent that that key as well. And then you have higher people saying, "Yep, I agree with this certificate that that certificate's true." And then higher people saying with their certificate that the person who signed that one is saying that it's true is true. And you have this yeah this wow. sort of complex way of actually proving that someone is who they are. But it isn't impossible for people to be able to fake that stuff. Um, Hmm. I would be always skeptical of where your information is on the, online and where you're going. Okay. Yeah. I'm, it's unfortunate that some aspects of our lives are pushed digitally. Like, you kind of can't do certain things without putting uh, sensitive information out there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost impossible at this day. I mean, you see people who are almost living in abject poverty, probably are living in abject poverty, and they have a a, a mobile phone mm-hmm. and a mobile phone with like the capacity to have apps and get online mm-hmm. and, you know, be a smartphone. Um and I don't think that's like some weird sort of like you have the wrong priorities or something albeit maybe they could get away with not having it. It's just really, really important to be online to yeah. have access to those things. Truly. It's so hard to not use the internet or mm-hmm. not have a phone to call somebody. Yeah. Like, it's become such a necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, like, where my, my human job, I am... Um, all of the communication um, within the company is over a phone or, like, over an app. Um, scheduling, I wouldn't know when I would work next. I could maybe get a printout every time I go in and just like, I don't know, do like a trust fall with everyone to like let everyone (laughs) know that I'll be there on time, like when I'm scheduled. But like, yeah, like, yeah, paying rent. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, it's more efficient. And I think that like we, we make, sort of the mistake of running into and maybe it's not a mistake all the time but running into the most efficient thing because that thing saves us money and mm. time and it, it makes our lives easier um, it's really really useful it's just that um, you know you're you're sending important information um, not always through the most secure channels um, you know if I say literally what I'm trying to say into someone's ear and just their ear, I'm mostly guaranteed that that is a safe channel. Or if I give someone a piece of paper, I'm mostly guaranteed that that's a safe channel. But they are more insecure. And living with the fact that we have to be online all the time um, is a problem. And I think that like everybody has all of their information online. Or not all of it, but a lot of it. And a lot of it has been stolen. And a lot of people will use that for nefarious means or... Mm they'll simply use it just to sell you ads, but Mm -hmm. I mean, one or the other (laughs) (laughs) and selling ads could be uh, nefarious to some people as well. I think that some people, I mean, uh, I think that it's a conversation that a lot of people are having is whether or not our data should be, you know, uh, 
we should be the rightful owners of our data and that we should look at it as something that we own and that we can give away to other people and that like we have the rights to and that people can't just take we like albeit it might just be easy for a company to um write some kind of agreement and then we sign that agreement when we uh, go online and interact with their website but um, we could make it harder for other people to get just like personal information that's out there when it comes to people like stealing stuff um, by some kind of hacking uh, we can also make that harder but I think they're two different stories you know totally is it what uh is there a specific direction that you want to take with learning about IT? Um, I mean, like, security's cool. I, I enjoy, um, like, I haven't done cybersecurity stuff, um, but I do enjoy the, the idea of sort of, like, setting up um, defenses and, like, making sure that no one can can take the information or put the information in the wrong spot or utilize things that they shouldn't be utilizing. Like I like this, um, sort of preemptive, uh, maintenance of systems and structures and people like it's, it's a little less reactive, albeit it can be reactive. I like the idea of doing something like that, of mm -hmm. sort of, you know, behind closed doors, like, just like secretly going like, ha ha, you can't use this door. Like, ha, no more phones for you people. Like, mm -hmm. like I like the idea of something like that. If I could do that, I would love to do that. I would also love to like just manage networks and make sure networks are up and, and running at a fast pace and something like that. Um, I don't know. I think that from what I've learned for just being studying it for about two years is that there is so much to learn. And mm -hmm. there isn't a single person in the IT world who knows everything about everything. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I haven't found myself in an actual job yet. Um, so I don't want to pigeonhole me, hold myself into one exact spot. I would, I would love to learn all sorts of different things. Yay. A question for you, kind of looping back into what we were talking about before. Uh, so with the necessity to have access to information in this modern age and the necessity of to, like having a having a cell phone having this direct communication do you think that the internet and or cell phones should be like a human right um i think we're getting to a point where we're going to have to have that conversation mm -hmm. um i mean like at the very least public access should always be um there um, mm -hmm. And I think we do have that for a lot of times. You can go to the library and you can use the internet if you really want to. Yeah. Um, and usually, uh, I think you might have to get a library card for a lot of them, um, which might cost like $20. Um, I disagree with that. I think that you should have public access to it. Like, I think yeah. that um, public access to these things is really important. I mean, as much as making a resume, like... Totally. You do it online now. You don't write out a resume on paper or use a typewriter. And like, if you don't have a computer, and a lot of people can't afford computers, um, yeah, it's really important that people have access to do this just so they can function um, efficiently in the society that we're making. Totally. Mm. And I'm, I don't remember specifically what it's like in Utah, but I remember in New York, like you had to to be able to use the computers, you had to have a library card, and to have a library card, you have had to have at least two pieces of mail that have your name on it. So already that's like gatekeeping uh, 
free access to internet, like houseless people. Right. Yeah. Um, or like people who have recently moved to an area. Um, yeah. Yeah. It seems, it seems like kind of a, an inherently classist like hoop to jump through. Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't see the point of why we are asking these people to make sure they are who they are when they go and use, um, like your, your computer in, in the library. Um, like, I don't know, I don't know what they're going to do with that computer. Um, I would like to make sure that they can't do anything that's like absolutely off the wall crazy. And, um, if we have to fund, um, the public sector to, you know, make sure their security is, is good enough at those places, have, Mm -hmm. have a security administrator at every single library. Arguably they probably already do, but they might, they might just have some PC technician guy who like, you know, knows bits and pieces and does most of that stuff. But like, I would like, I don't, I don't see why it's so necessary. I mean, I guess in order to check out books and if you're stealing books, like we have to, we have to find you somehow. Yeah. Um, but like, we should be able to find a way to allow these people to come in and use their stuff um, without forcing them to jump through a bunch of hoops. I think it's it's possible whether or not you're like locking down the machines and making sure those machines can't be stolen, making sure they're not using the internet in a way that they shouldn't be using the internet or your computers in the way that they shouldn't be using the internet. I think that's definitely possible and it shouldn't be so hard to... Um, use computers when they are so necessary to basically live at this point. At this point, like I could hear an argument like before 2000. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. But nowadays, especially when it comes to like, even keeping up with uh, like your work, like you said, like you basically have to have access to the internet to even talk to your like employees mm-hmm. and your coworkers. I get like, how would I get a phone call or like a, a message as I get a message? But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's so it's such a necessity. Um, I wonder if they're like worried about people stealing books. Like, why not have like an option where you're like a day reader or something? Like, you can't, you don't have a library loan card, but you can like come in and have access to all the facilities of the library you just can't take the library home with you yeah i i agree i think that i mean basically you're doing the same thing with the computers um you're like (laughs) you know go in there and steal a computer and then like you know check it out though they might have stuff where you can check out computers which is awesome if you can check out like uh laptops and stuff uh maybe there should be more hoops to jump through to be able to do that i can't guarantee that someone isn't going to sell that computer or break it or damage it and if they do, like, I can't guarantee that I'm going to have funds in order to replace it. And those yeah. are some important problems that I think these people have to deal with. But, yeah, when I, like, we should be able to make it possible for people to go in there and use um, books or whatever other necessary thing that, that a library can offer um, in that space. Um, and I think it's possible. I don't think it's, I don't yeah. think it's, it would be that hard. It wouldn't. Speaking of uh, of books, uh, Chase has told me that you're quite the reader. Yeah, I love some books. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do love some books. I uh, I am more of a collector than I am a reader, but I do mm-hmm. read as much as possible. 
which isn't always as much as I want to. Actually, it's never going to be as much as I want to now that I think of it. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I like books. Uh, do you have like a specific, a specific book or a specific genre or like theme that you uh, li- like to read? Um, I jump all over the place. Um, like I like nonfiction and I like fiction. Um, when it comes to nonfiction, it's just whatever I'm interested in. Like whatever I think I, I can I can learn from. Generally, I have to get this feeling of I'm going to learn something from it. Um, when it comes to uh, fiction, anything, I think that a lot, of, a lot of the times it's going to be something that I think um, is going to be... It's going to have a lot of depth in either a way where I can get absolutely lost in the novel... Or it's going to have depth in a way where, like, I relate so much to the characters or, like, the characters' experiences are so unique and and so, like, uh, uh, special in a way that I enjoy um, that I would want to read those books. Like, when I was, like, 19, 20, I was really into, like, books that just had, like, really hard, like, existentialist themes. Like, mm-hmm. books where people are trying to find meaning. And, of course, like, I'm 19, I'm 20, I'm trying to find meaning. Like, I don't understand what's going on in the world. <laughs> like, how do, I, how do I get meaning out of this world? Like, totally. I'm not religious. So being able to read stories that sort of um, have characters that do that. And so, like, I read, um, I read Sartre. I read Camus. Um, I read Herman Hesse. I tried to read Nietzsche, and I, I got bored. Yeah. Like, philosophy isn't my favorite thing to read. So I prefer like a philosophical fiction where um, the story itself can give me what maybe someone is going to just jot out um, through actual like philosophical literature. Um, but then like I like I like fantasy, I like sci-fi stuff, um, I like all sorts of stuff. My favorite book is called The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, mm-hmm. and. Like, it's, it's about a girl who is really, really talented as a writer. Um, she's going to a university, I think, in New York. I don't remember anymore. I haven't read it in a long time. Um, but, like, things are going okay. She feels kind of, like, disassociated or distanced from the people in the clique that she's around. Um, and then she so, like, slowly drifts into, like, a really, really, really bad depression. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this story about like who she is and how she deals with this depression and like it, it goes pretty dark into like like pretty bad themes. Um but the way this writer sort of expresses herself emotionally I think is one really relatable and and two really powerful. And I think that it's important to have people who um, write about really, really hard themes because understanding is such a powerful way to overcome things yourself. And I really enjoyed like living through her experience, even though in real life, um, Sylvia Plath did not end well. Mm -hmm. Um, the end of the book ended with maybe there's this character is going to get out of this. Well, um, and she sort of wrote that book in parallel with her life. I mean, they aren't exactly the same or even really nearly the same. There are some close, like, parallels, but it's mostly parallels like her depression and emotional state. Sure. And, yeah, I really enjoyed that book. Wow. 
What was the name again? It's the bell jar. Okay. Yeah. I think it has something to do with like, um, I don't remember what a bell jar is, but being a person and covered in the bell jar and she has a line about it in the book and it's sort of like uh, being enclosed and, and kept from everything uh, outside of you and like having no like no access um, you're just you're just sort of in um, encased in something and you can't get out of it which I think is probably how she felt about her emotional state and her depression at the time wow yeah So with like the amount of access that we have to stories, information, uh, connection, news, what have you, through the internet, is it still important for people to read books? Is it still important for people to read books? Yeah. Um, um, like it's not necessary. Like, I, I think that like you can learn a lot. And I think that books are a really good way of putting yourself in another person's shoes. Mm -hmm. um, I think that movies don't um, allow you the time or space or thought to really like put yourself in another person's place. Whereas a book will, um, there's a lot of like talking about people's experiences and talking about it from another perspective rather than just showing it to you. Um, and I think being able to like, read and actually use language to um, talk to yourself about these experiences that other people go through um, is really important to sort of widen uh, your view of how other people can possibly exist in this world and how they can interpret this world and like that is unbelievably important I don't think it's necessary to read books to get there mm -hmm. but I think any adult in um, especially like our culture should should try their best to like understand the different kinds of cultures and peoples and experiences that I exist within their overall culture. I think that that's really important. And if books can get you there, which I believe they can and they do for me, mm -hmm. um, and they, they also give me a mirror, they give me someone to relate to, which is really important as well, especially for people who don't feel like they have that. I think if you read... Um, you know, someone who's gone through what you've gone through, maybe, or s even like, even slightly, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. Um, that's a really good experience to have. And it's, uh, for some people that can save them. So, so it's not necessary, but I would like everyone to read a book. <laughs> <laughs> this is a message from our sponsor, BrewDog. <laughs> He also wants everyone to read a read a, read a book. Yeah, he <laughs> he, he agrees. Ah. Read a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I hear you. I I agree with everything you just said about reading. Thank you. I think that it's a. I think that most people would agree. I think that some people would be like, "No, nah, like, I read a line and then I go, what line did I just read?' Like, clearly." being able to comprehend or having the kind of focus to be able to read is important as well. And some people just don't enjoy it. And that's totally fine if you don't enjoy it. But I think overall the principle is, um, one, it's a good way to um, educate yourself. And I think everyone should want to educate themselves. Um, I don't care what it is about. I would like it to be something that allows for you to exist in the world more harmoniously with everyone else but 
it doesn't have to. A lot of people are doing that work for themselves and that'll end up helping you as well. But I don't know. It's just, it just sucks to see when people don't want to educate themselves or don't try to educate themselves. Or they're too exhausted to. Yeah. It also sucks to live in a world where you get off work and the easiest thing to do is to lie in bed and sleep or lie in bed or sit on your couch and watch TV. Um, like personally, I think that a lot of TV is trash. You should allow yourself trash time though. Sure. It's, it's trash time is great. Everyone needs it. Sure. I'm trash man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trash man is, is a good person to be sometimes, but, uh, we should be able to find time to be able to, um, obtain a greater life, a greater standard of life. And if we can't do that, there's a problem. I think that that that's, that's built around of our, our society. The idea that you can do that, the idea that we have space to do that. And if we are finding that too many people don't have space to do that or that they feel they don't have space to do that or access or whatever, mm. then we need to make that more clear. I agree. Yeah. It absolutely needs to be clear. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear it too, though, because it's hard not to want to get caught up in what I would call active apathy where like people would rather be like no nothing's going on or like something it's so bigger than I am that I can't do anything that like I'm not going to learn about it I'm not going to like reach out to the world in this way or like take too much time or too much focusing of your energy to be able to sit down and read a book even like I that stuff is hard to break out of and be such a doldrum but like especially after the year and a half that we've had now. Yes. Like, yeah, the necessity of beginning to break out of that and become more active, at least mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, um, like, most people want to self-realize, you know? They want to, um, they want to experience the, themselves growing and changing and expressing themselves, and um, some people have trouble doing that with really 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 busy and confusing uh world that we exist in um i don't i don't have a solution to that <laughs> that's okay you don't have to yeah yeah <laughs> I, yeah i understand just I, mean, I wish i wish i could be like this is what you should do but totally but i don't know like everyone has their own you know things that yeah they can do for themselves to help themselves out even if we have the answers, we have such limited resources. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, this dog is ready to go home. It was uh, so good to have you on the Community Park Podcast, Spencer. Yeah, thanks. It was yeah. it was fun to talk. Uh, before we uh, we all part ways, can I ask? Uh, is there what what would you say is the most key piece that we talked about today? What is the most key piece? I think there I think the most key piece that I would see is that um one don't be so sure that you have the right answer. I think everybody thinks that they have the right answer. I think that I have the right answer. I think I have the right answer. Ex exactly, but there should be a moment of doubt always within your mind that you don't actually have that right answer. Mm -hmm. And then um ex like Give the moment to understand that it's okay if other people don't have the right answer as well. I think that um, once we start fighting rights versus rights, um, 
and having conversations like that. Um, our ability to be a community, a plural community with lots of people with lots of different opinions, with lots of different lifestyles and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that really goes out the door once we, once we just decide that I am right, you are wrong, and they are right, they are wrong. I think that that's the best thing that I can do. And I think that any way to enable us to um, get better access to finding the right answer is sort of secondary. You have to accept that you might not know the right answer to be able to get there. Yeah. The cool part about the community park is everyone is allowed, but that also means we have to hold the space for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, there's a, I don't remember who said it, a philosopher who talked about it, um, oh, the paradox of toleration. And it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't tolerate intolerance, something like that. It's like, of course, if someone is being um, intolerant in your space that is trying to open up all the space for the other people, let's say there's one group of people that that person does not want to be in that group or does not um, allow to feel safe and secure within that area, um, then I believe you are justified in being intolerant towards that group of people. Absolutely. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. thank you for leaving that energy with us in the park we'll do it and spread it pay, pay it forward and make sure the park remains open to everybody awesome thank you yeah. it was fun being in the park <laughs> well y'all have a good night yeah until next time good night bye bye